Hey, what's up, the Dice Game? Thanks for the shout-out that you did for me yesterday. I have a question for you. Josh actually asked you what's your least favorite game, and you said that it was The Sims. That's actually a game that he enjoys, so that's pretty ironic. I'm here to ask you what's your least favorite game. Just, you know, he said, what's your favorite game? Kind of wanted to know that. Hey, John, I'm going to assume that uh, what you meant was what my favorites were, because the other episode said least favorite. Um, in which case, my favorite, starting with board game, would be, uh, my favorite board game is Glass Road by Uwe Rosenberg. It is a lovely, calming sort of game with also a huge chunk of bluffing and logic puzzles on top, where the idea is you're building a nice little village in the middle of the glass road in Germany. But also, you've got to deal with um, fighting over these contractors who you're hiring to actually build anything for you. The only way you can even interact with the game is with these contractors who are represented by cards in your hand. And if you hire the same contractor as somebody else, he's going to half-ass your job. <laughs> so you have to think and get inside other people's heads to make sure that when you want to piggyback on somebody and not have to pay for it since the contractor's there already, then you can do that and you can piggyback on somebody else's card. But when you do want your job to be done all the way and not just halfway, you gotta make sure you cleverly pick a time when nobody else will be picking it. It's this really clever little system tacked onto a super relaxing game that I really enjoy. It lets me both chill out and bluff with my friends. <laughs> I also really enjoy the board game Galaxy Trucker. That would probably be my number two of all time. It's by Vlada Svatil, and it's about building a spaceship out of cardboard tiles in real time as fast as you can, and then it gets blown up as bad, bad things happen, and hopefully you manage to squeak into port with some of it left if you're lucky, and if you were really good about building things quickly. <laughs> now, as for my favorite video game. This is going to be an interesting one, because there are a lot of ways you could go about this, but I think I'm going to have to go with Hyper Rogue by Xeno Rogue. It is a roguelike video game that does not take place in your standard three-dimensional space. It takes place in a mathematical concept called hyperbolic space. That means that uh, there, it's very difficult to explain unless you're a math major, but you can play it for free online. It's called Hyper Rogue, and it is absurd. One weirdness about hyperbolic space is that if you, try, if you leave a specific square of the map and wander off, it will be almost impossible to return to that one specific square, because space kind of branches almost infinitely outwards whenever you are moving. It's bizarre and leads to some interesting gameplay that could only happen in a video game, because in real life we cannot simulate a theoretical concept of space as a concept. <laughs> um, as for my favorite card game, um, if I'm gonna do the same thing as before, I am really into Star Wars Destiny recently. It is a very clever game. Unfortunately, Fantasy Flight kind of fumbled the release schedule, so not that many people are getting into it these days, because there was a big wave of hype and everyone was really into it. And then 
there wasn't anything to buy, so everybody wasn't into it anymore, but now there's stuff to buy and the hype is over. But it's a wonderful game. It's got lots of Eurogaming elements in a card game structure, and it's a small deck game, which I like, because I don't like having to build a big deck, just a small one does nicely for me. And I just am having a lot of fun with it. I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan, but just the gameplay itself is enough to carry the game for me. I would highly recommend it. Um, and that is the answer to your question. Uh, hope you have a great time on Anchor. I like your channel. Keep it up. Bye. Hey, so, Anchor the Dice Game here, or Podcast the Dice Game. I want to talk very briefly about how you can contact me. If you have Anchor and would you like to call into the show, you can just use the Anchor app for Android or iOS. They don't have that implemented on the web yet, but I think it's coming. And then you can also interact with me via email at podcastthedicegame at gmail.com if you don't have Anchor or if you just have something you'd like to express in text form. That is all I wanted to mention in this little mini-segment. Thanks. See ya. Hey everybody, and welcome to Podcast the Dice Game, or Anchor the Dice Game, whatever you'd like to call it at this moment. <laughs> so, I would like to talk about a really interesting little thing, an intersection that is not usually thought of in board gaming, which is the intersection of theme and bluffing. Most people, when they think of a bluffing game, they think of poker or skull or liar's dice, or even something like The Resistance, where, if you think about it, when you play those games, you are not imagining yourself as anything. Some people would argue that in The Resistance, maybe at least, you are thinking of yourself as members of a secret Resistance cell, but that theme very quickly falls apart as you actually play the game. Now, some people might argue that it does not, but I've yet to experience this. However, I have experienced Theme Plus Bluffing in one game, and that game is Mafia de Cuba. It's an interesting game where it doesn't exactly work like your standard bluffing game, because one person does not actually get involved in all the role selection stuff. That person is the godfather of the Mafia, and he leaves his box full of diamonds and roll chips on the table. It moves clockwise. People select either diamonds, thus making them a thief, or a roll, making them whatever roll that is. Ideally, a loyalist who will help him figure out what's going on when he comes back. And then he does come back. And very quickly, you notice a pattern emerging, which is that in the most offensive and entirely inaccurate voice possible, people start saying, No, Don, listen, you gotta believe me. I'm your loyal henchman. You see, the man next to me, he stole all the diamonds. I didn't get any. You gotta believe me, man. Why would I ever lie to you? I don't know. I don't know what a mafia person sounds like. That's very obvious. Also, they're Cuban. I don't know what Cuban voices. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is, is that people get into this mode like that. And it's not prompted. You don't go in telling people that they should start role-playing, but they do. And it's interesting the way that a game can evoke something like that when 
tons and tons of other games that also have themes attached to them just happen to not. Some games that come close, arguably, One Night Ultimate Werewolf kind of does it, but that's not really the same. You'll make some occasional jokes, if you're my group, about how the werewolves are being unjustly persecuted, and, you know, they didn't actually harm anyone. There's one night phase, nobody dies during it, and then everybody attacks the werewolves. That sounds pretty, like, prejudiced, if you ask me. <laughs> and occasionally, you can also get Secret Hitler to end up like that, especially if you add a certain aesthetic expansion, which I may talk about in a later episode. But, largely speaking, this is all up to your group. It's very fascinating to me that Mafia de Cuba has managed to do it where all others seem to, for the most part, fail. So, what do you guys think? Do you guys have anything that you would like to add to this category? Because it seems like there should be more, and I might just be missing them. Call in if you know them. See ya. Hello everyone, welcome to Podcast the Dice Game. I would like to talk about a really interesting little mechanic, which is one versus many. One versus many. Like, that is not used enough, and I find it, I use this word a lot, fascinating. So, Not Alone is what I'd like to talk about specifically. A very thematic game that has some bluffing in it, which I was reminded of by the Mafia de Cuba episode. Not Alone is about one player who is an alien, the only alien on a planet, otherwise completely deserted. The rest of the players crash on his planet, and his job is to keep them trapped there forever because they are not alone on this planet. The alien is there, and they want to escape, but he doesn't want them to. He wants to have friends, which leads immediately to this fantastic thematic experience where the alien player will come up with all of these funny, silly, amusing things to say to the people on his planet. Why do you want to leave? Don't you know the water here is great? Why won't you be my friend? Etc, etc. It's really just a laugh. I highly recommend this game, which I recommend most games, but it is interesting. It is a very small little game, and the main mechanic is very simply just hide and seek. The alien will be trying to find people, and everyone else will be running away, hiding in certain locations. The alien will get to check out one or two, uh, potentially even three, spaces during his turn, and hopefully he didn't find anyone, because everybody will be in the places he didn't think of. It's essentially mostly random, you would think, but you'll notice that People who are smart players always avoid the alien, even though his choice should be mostly arbitrary. It's a really interesting sort of look into the subconscious and how people think about what they should expect and what they shouldn't expect and, oh, you know, if he thinks this, then I'll do that, but he knows I think this, and 
this infinite loop of he wouldn't have put the poison in the goblet in front of me. <laughs> Which, that is another game. There, There is a game about that. But this double think runs a very small game that could be and is run by just a small pile of cards and a little tracker. I have had a lot of fun with this one. One thing that's interesting about the one versus many mechanic, though, is that when you are more people and you are working together against another person, the interplay between the people all on the same team, all working against the one person, these people start to not want to let the others down more strongly than I've ever seen in gaming. I've had an experience where a player has desperately tried everything to make sure that they did not let their team lose due to their own problems. Like, the alien was going to catch them, probably, and it was upsetting to this player, to some degree, that the alien would catch them and that would make us all lose. Being accountable to the other people in a group, it's even more so than in a cooperative game when you are fighting against the board. If you lose against a board, everyone will say, oh well, you did your best, but if you lose against another person, somehow it feels like this person was running around trying to kill us all, but in the end, I was the weakest link. I let the whole party down. It is really, really interesting to watch that reaction in a person, and I think it's one example of social changes that happen to the people around you when they are playing board games, and something you can see in people that you wouldn't see just interacting with them in daily life. So that's an interesting thing to think about. See you guys.